Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome back to another episode of the Coach Steve Show podcast. Thank you to everyone for listening. Before we dive into today's episode, if you're watching it on YouTube, please hit the like button, subscribe button to help grow this channel. 
if you like this podcast and you want to listen to others very similar to this podcast, you can find the podcast at the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. You can find other podcasts that are very similar to this from NFL, NHL, college football, play-by-play games, fantasy, different blogs, NASCAR, even outside of sports. You can find everywhere. If you go to bellyupsports.com, you can find all the different types of podcasts there. You can find my show on there. You can find it on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to podcasts. Go to there. You'll find all the podcasts. You'll find this one, a bunch of others. And then betting season's underway. You got college football, baseball, NFL's in full swing. Um, It's time to go make some extra money. If you don't know where to go make a bet, um, my bookie is working with the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. If you go to my uh, mybookie.ag and use the code BellyUpSportsFantasy, you can double your first deposit. So it's time to go make your bet. Time to go make some money. You go do all that. It will double your first deposit. Uh, go make some money. Go make some bets. Like I said, you got all the sports that you can make a bet on. Go to that website. Use the code. And it will double your first deposit. You get 100 bucks. Then it'll make it 200 bucks. So again, if you go to mybookie.ag and use Belly Up Fantasy Code, you will double your first deposit. Today's episode, we are going to dive more into college football. Week three was pretty crazy. There is so much to talk about that we probably don't have time for to make this not a three-hour show. So we're going to just talk about a few topics. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of the Alabama game. We're going to talk about about Georgia. We're going to look into Clemson. Then we're going to talk about there is a ref situation going on in the sport of football. And then we're also going to get into our week four picks. As a reminder, uh, me, Coach West, and Brad Miller, we always do an upset pick, a lock pick, a feel-good pick, and a sneaky pick, and then we give our Illinois pick because we are Illinois fans. And we go live every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time as uh, unless something in life happens or you know def- technical difficulties. Maybe Brad decides to go to New Orleans and squish berries with his feet and make applesauce with his hands, you know, that type of stuff. Um, so today we're going to get right into this. Um, we're going to just talk about a few different topics. Um, it was a crazy week of college football. One of the biggest topics is the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia Bulldogs are currently sitting undefeated. They won their very first game against Clemson, who for the past five years or more, it's been them and Alabama. And Clemson has won a few national titles. They've beat uh, Alabama a couple times. They have beaten other big-time teams. They did lose to Ohio State in the first round of the playoffs back in the they play in the spring or early in the winter, and they have a very tough game right out of the gate. Georgia takes care of business, and so the big talk of the town is: is Georgia the best team in college football? And people have them ranked number one or number two. I still think they're ranked number two uh, because I don't know. We're going to talk Georgia and Clemson kind of together here. Clemson is not playing the way they normally do. So people think Georgia is the number one team because they beat a Clemson. 
and now they are winning. They're, they're now Georgia is playing very good defense, but Georgia has played good defense since Kirby Smart has been there. Kirby Smart is a defensive genius. Um, you know they beat Clemson ten to three, they beat UNAB fifty six to seven, and then they beat South Carolina forty to thirteen. I mean that's still impressive. Don't get me wrong, but people have them talking about them being ranked number one. Now, if you look at I still think Alabama's number one. I still think they're the best team in the nation. I still think they're ranked. I believe they are ranked number one, but people do have Georgia ranked at number one. Alabama has beaten Miami, which Miami's not that good right now. But, I mean, at the beginning of the season, they were ranked 14 in the nation. They beat Miami 44-13, to beat Mercer, which they should. Then they beat Florida. So I think just looking at the schedule, Georgia has not had that schedule. Uh, and then, you know, Georgia's going to go on to play Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Auburn, Kentucky, and then Florida. So they do get a little tougher. Alabama's got to play Old Miss, Texas A&M, Tennessee, LSU. So, I mean, their schedules are probably a little bit even. But for right now, Alabama has played a tougher schedule. So I'm not going to go as far and say Georgia is the best team in the nation or number one. They should be number two. I think it's Alabama, Georgia. But one thing with Georgia, the thing that's held them back a little bit um, has been their offense. Their defense has always been there. Besides, if you want to look at the times they have maybe played Alabama or in the uh, playoff game with Oklahoma, where I think Oklahoma took their foot off the gas and Oklahoma lost that game. Georgia didn't win. I think Oklahoma lost that game when Baker Mayfield was the quarterback. What has always kind of held Georgia back, I think, anyway, has been their offense. They run that pro-style offense that Kirby learned because he was defense coordinator at Alabama, and that's what Nick Saban did for a long time was run a pro-style. And then when, I think it was right before Lane Kiffin or Lane Kiffin got to Alabama, they decided, hey, let's get to the 21st century and we're going to run a spread offense. We're going to go no huddle sometimes. We're going to go or go no huddle, go up tempo. We are going to do RPOs. We're still going to run the ball. We're still going to do all that fancy stuff. We're going to do wide zone, inside zone, do a lot of motions. When Lane Kiffin got there, then it continued under Sarkeesian where he shows up and Donna does similar things. And Nick Saban kind of goes, ooh, this looks pretty. This is shiny. And says, you know what? I'm going to evolve. If you read anything on Nick Saban, anything on his books, you know, making of a coach, um, it's it's called Saban making of a coach. You read the fourth and goal, different stuff like that. Anything on Nick Saban has always been, we're going to line up, we're going to run the ball, we're going to have a fullback, we're going to have a running back, we're going to have tight ends, and we're going to run the ball at you and make you quit. And that's where if you look at the early Alabama teams, they were winning 10-7, to 10-3, to 14-10, 17-13, sometimes 6 nothing, 7 nothing. And then when they actually start to play offense, they started to win in the 30s and the 40s. Now they're getting to the 50s, starting to pass it more. Nick Saban has come out and said defense is no longer about squeezing them, you know, like a python. And they're not going to squeeze them. And we're not going to dominate. Like, they still want to dominate, but they're not going to squeeze them and say, you're going to get a goose egg. Defenses now have evolved to where, okay, we're going to give up some yards. But can we stop them on third down? Can their yards only come on first and second down, and then we stop them on third down? And they sometimes get a first down, but once they start moving, 
Maybe they get to the red zone and we say, okay, you ain't you ain't scoring. Nick Saban has adapted to that type of thinking. Georgia, I think, is slowly getting to that point. But I will say Georgia's defense is very, very impressive. But what has held them back, in my opinion, has always been kind of their offense. Even with like a Jake Fromm, I still think they struggled. I know back in the day when Kirby Smart first got there, they had lots of running backs. Where you know they probably should beat Alabama in that national championship game. They still were not this high flying offense. They just did what they did, which is fine. But I think that's kind of what has always held them back. Where you see Alabama taking that next step in offense, you know, being one of the top scoring teams in the nation. They're they're moving the ball. They're scoring a lot of points. They're doing this, doing that. And I think Georgia's just been way behind. So I think this team right here, you're starting to see more shotgun stuff. They're still getting under center, but I think they're kind of evolving. I think Kirby Smart finally saw where, well, if Nick Saban can adapt where he's been doing the same thing for 40-some years, maybe I can too. You know, maybe I'll join this movement. Maybe, you know, Kirby Smart maybe finally is like, man, I'm going to – maybe I'll start watching TikTok. You know, he's starting to move along. And so you're seeing, like, JT Daniels, he has 438 passing yards – no, it's okay for three games. Um, you know, you have Bennett, who has 292 yards. Uh, but JT Allen does lead the team, so they've played a couple of quarterbacks. They have a rusher with like 159 yards total so far, 119, 88, and all that stuff. Receiving, they have a tight end that has 203 yards. They have a wide receiver with 173, 119. So they're spreading around a little bit. They're scoring touchdowns. So I think if they can be very – start to evolve on offense where they're not always going to be under center, run this fullback, fullback. You see LSU before Joe Burrow. They did all that stuff. So I don't think we need to jump on the the the, the thing of they're the number one team in the nation or they're the best team in the nation. But I do predict we will see Georgia and Alabama play each other in the SEC championship game. And it's very possible if they're both undefeated, one of them will still make the playoff. So they're going to play in that game. Let's say Alabama wins. Georgia will still get the number four seed. If Alabama loses, they'll get the number four seed. It's going to happen. And they may play each other again. Who knows? But I think I'm predicting that will happen. So I'm not going to go to say as Georgia is the best team in the nation. Um, I think they're, as a coach, I don't want to say balance because as a coach, you don't go in there saying, we got to run the ball 50% of the time or we got to run the ball 60% of the time and then pass it 40 or flip-flop. And you don't want to say we're going to be one, you know, how do I put this? I don't like the term where we have to be balanced. So as a play caller, you're not going in and going, okay, on this drive, the first two plays are going to be passed. Third's going to be run. And then the next time, well, now the next two have to be run and that third one's passed, and then we get there and maybe start over. Or, okay, I'm going to go run, pass, run, or pass, pass, run. As a play caller, you just want to call what's there. So if you go into the game plan going, okay, we're going to run the ball more, that's what you're going to do, I think – so Georgia, I want to say, is very balanced. And I'm not saying they're trying to be, but what I mean by balance is they're doing the right thing of we know when to pound the rock, but we also know when to do short passes, take what the defense gives us. We have everything around us where it's not just the quarterback doing this, doing that, all that stuff. They're playing phenomenal defense. That defense, when they played Clemson, was phenomenal. They're they're disguising coverages. They're keeping things in front of them. They're flying to the football their defensive line is getting hands-on. Their linebackers are filling very well. 
Uh, they're very aggressive, you know, when they're playing bump coverage. Uh, they're not doing a whole type of... No, I don't believe they're doing a whole lot of stunting and this and that, but they are doing things with their D-line. The D-line's getting hands-on. They're doing very good things. That Clemson offensive line has always been pretty good. And so they're doing these things that they've always done. So it's been very good. They're disguising pretty well. Defenses have evolved because offense, offense, you're you're running things out of different formations. You're jet motioning. You're you're um, fly motioning to get into different formation. You're moving. You're doing this. You're orbit motioning, where you're getting the, the linebackers to look in the back to see if you're an option. You're gonna run the swing route. Um, with offenses doing the RPO stuff, well, defenses have to adapt and start lining up like an offense, where just by putting one guy in a spot that takes away an RPO. Just by putting one guy in a certain spot may take away that that first read pass. You know what I mean? So Georgia does a very good job of that on offense. They know when to pound the rock. They can pound the rock. They've got the athletes, but I think now they're getting the wide receivers and they're doing short passes, which will open up the run game a little bit because you're doing short passes. They will open up the deep pass. So Georgia's not the best team in the nation, but they have come a long way. And I think them and Alabama are going to run the SEC this year. I foresee uh, Georgia could slip up, um, but I don't really see it happening. If you look at their schedule, um, you know, like I said, they will play Vanderbilt. No. Now, Arkansas will be a tough game. Arkansas is very improved. I'm very high on Arkansas, but like Arkansas, Auburn, Kentucky, Florida would be the tough one where they could lose. Outside of that, Tennessee, Missouri, Charleston Southern, Georgia Tech. They don't, those type of teams don't stand a chance against Georgia. Well, nothing surprised me anymore. Uh, you know, another topic we'll talk about is smaller schools stepping up, but, you know, maybe Arkansas or Florida, but that's about it to go undefeated. Alabama, the only one I could see where someone gets them is maybe Old Miss because, you know, uh, Lane Kiffin really can dial it up against them. And then Texas A&M supposed to be good. I'm not really high on them. And then I don't see another team beating them. I know Auburn usually puts up a fight, but the way they're playing against Penn the way they play against Penn State, having a new head coach. Um, I was very uh, Gus Malzahn fan. I just don't see it. So Georgia's not the best team in the nation. They are very good. They're number two with Bama leading the way. Sorry, Bulldogs. You are number two. I think the rest of the year will be Alabama one, Georgia two. There might be a week where they decide to put Georgia number one. Just kind of depends on how the games go. But we all know how that works. Sometimes these rankings, as of right now, are like, eh, it's when we get closer to all that is when that's going to start taking effect. Next topic to talk about is Alabama, the Crimson Tide. They did play Florida. Alabama was in control in the first quarter. They come out and score 21. They're winning 21 to 3. Then Alabama or Florida decide to really play football. And then going into halftime, it's 21 to 9. Then Florida comes out in the third quarter and scores 14. And then scores six in the fourth. Third quarter, Alabama only scores seven. Fourth quarter, they score three. They did not get a two-point conversion. They were able to stop Florida and get the win. Now, 
all when this happened, people and I mean Coach West talked about it on the show on Sunday was Florida's gonna catch Alabama if they give Dan Mullen time. Well, I mean he's been there, but they're saying they will catch them. I think that's kind of true, and I kind of agreed with him because Coach West and I, we being football coaches, the way we can look at a game and really see what's going on and not saying that other fans can't, but we do look at it a little different. When you're a football coach, it's a little bit of a curse. <laughs> um, sometimes you can turn your brain off and watch the game as a fan. Other times you're watching it going, oh, man, did you see that uh, you see that fold block when they ran zone on the backside? They fold blocked. Um, the way they run wide zone, um, is he reading? You know, when they run wide zone, did you see that he could have cut it back here? Oh, this outside zone, they're really hooking them. Or, you know, man, you look at the – you see that variation, they ran this little shallow, but right behind it, they ran a sit route or a post route, or man, you see that snag route or that wide cross where they have the smash, const- like that type of stuff. We're really cursed on seeing, well, did you see that? Did you see that? So watching it, Florida played very tough. Florida looks like a big team. They look very, their, their players are very big. They're very fast. They're very physical. They look like an Alabama team, to be honest with you. Now, people... Another podcast, another show, smarter than me, more successful than me. I hope to get to those type of shows. They have said how Alabama's going to slip up in a game. Now, look at the schedule. I don't see it. Um, saying they may not win a national title. Now, people have to remember, they have to replace a lot of players. They had to replace a lot of NFL players. You have to replace a quarterback who's already made like over a million dollars on the NAIL thing. He played well. He had 240 yards and three touchdowns. But you have to remember, you have a new quarterback. You have a lot of new offensive line. You got new defensive players. Coach Saban, every freaking year, has to replace a staff. New offensive coordinator. Now they're going to run what he wants. Watching the spring game of Alabama, they talked to him about and said, you know, you know what's... um." What, what, how's the offense going to change? What's it going to look like? You know, how is Bill O'Brien going to change everything? And Nick Saban goes, it's not going to change. He's going to put some tweaks in because he has his own thing. But he goes, we have a system here at Alabama, so he's going to run what we do, which is very, like, this is very Bill Belichick-esque. Uh, we have a system. We know what we're going to run, and that's what we're going to run. Um, Kind of like you saw with LSU where they ran – Joe Brady's offense when he was there in 2019 and just it just took off. Now they had Joe Burrow. Then coming in the next year, they kind of ran that stuff, but comment Coach Ogeron said coming into this year was, well, we hired a guy who worked with kind of like Joe. I think he worked with Joe Brady, and they said we're going to get back to what we ran a couple years ago. So I don't know if the LSU had changed their offense completely last year because it did not work. So they want to go back to it. I think Nick Saban said, hey, we saw – or Coach Saban, we saw this – and we're going to stay that way. So I think people have to really kind of realize that Alabama had to replace a lot. Yes, they're 3-0. They had to be Miami. They look good. But they, but if anybody watches the Pat McAfee show, he does Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. And Aaron Rodgers said something I think that's going to rem, you know that I had to think about. He said no matter how successful you are, the following year or the previous year, coming into this year, you have to learn how to win all over again. So even though some of these Alabama players are probably still on the team, they had to replace a lot, this team still has to learn to win all over again. 
So they won a couple games, and they go against Florida. Because Alabama's going to get everybody's best shot. So Florida came in and said, we're going to give them the, the best shot we can. And Alabama could have played better. But the point is how you hold on. So people talked about Alabama's offensive line getting kind of pushed around or their defensive line out. You know, Florida's offensive line was pushing Alabama's defense around. And maybe that's true. They're a little bit younger. They've got to learn how to play. But again, this Alabama team is not going to be built like it was when Nick Saban first got there where he wants a big defensive line. He wants the big linebackers. They're going to play this 3-4. They're going to blitz all over the place. They're going to have this huge nose guard that's going to demand double teams, if not triple teams, because of how they're aligned. They're a little bit faster. They jump into a 4-2-5 look. They can hop into a 4-3 look. Kind of like Bill Belichick where each game they're just going to run a defense that's going to be made to win that game. And I think Nick Saban, Coach Saban does the same thing where – this week we're going to be a 3-5. We're going to get 3-5 looks. And then also because of how they're playing, we're going to hop into this 4-3 look. Then we're going to roll this safety down. Now we've got more men in the box to help with the run game because we're playing Florida. Now if we line up this way, it takes away the RPO on the play side with the running backs on this side. They're probably RPO on that side. So if we line up this way, it takes away the RPO. But we also have to read this. like That's what they're going to do. So I'm not too worried about Alabama because here's what's going to happen. I'm going to butcher this. I'm just going to call it speed-based training. I know that's not the right title. But you have a strength and conditioning staff that came down from Indiana. And if you look at the Alabama team last year, the reports that came out from their lifting programs, they got stronger. I'm talking about just offensive line. I'm sure everybody else did. But when you look at the offensive line, Leatherwood, I believe, and all that. They got stronger as the year went on. On their lifts, they were generating... This is a shout-out to Coach West for giving me this information. They were generating more power in their lifts. So squats, power cleans, and all that stuff. They were uh, they were generating more power. I think it was like week seven. They were generating more power in week seven than they were in week one. You're supposed to be getting tired as the year goes on. Alabama got stronger because of the strength and conditioning program. And Coach Saban used to have a finger in on it, fingerprints all over the place, but he said, hey, you guys do what you need to do. So they work really hard. They do a lot of sprints on Wednesday, I believe, or Thursday, and then they don't do anything. And from talking to people who do this, it's not, man, every day you're going to deadlift, or today's deadlift, tomorrow's a squat. They really listen to their bodies. So if they say to these players, okay, you're in a squat today, they're squatting, it's just not there. Well, let's find a different thing for you to do for your body. So we're not killing your body. We're not doing all these heavy back squats. We're not doing all this deadlifting. We're not doing this old school stuff. So some of the people that are old school need to adapt. And Coach Saban did adapt. So now they do this different training, and you just look at their team. Now, Ohio State does the same type of training. They're always fast. Clemson's doing it. Indiana was doing it last year, and you saw what happened. It works. Nick Saban let them do it. It worked. So I'm not too worried. They're talking about their offensive line getting pushed around on their defensive line. I guarantee you, right now we're going into week four. For some people, this is their fifth week because they did week zero. But going into week four, talk to me week seven, eight, nine. I 
guarantee you if Alabama stays healthy, they will be faster at that point. They are going to be stronger. Yes, they're going to get everybody's best shot. they got to figure out how to win. Bill O'Brien's going to figure out the play calling. They're going to give up some yards on uh, defense. Like we, I've already talked about, they're okay giving up the yards. Um, they just don't want to give up all the points. They're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. Um, people talking about their defensive line struggling, their offensive line struggling. I don't see it. And I'm not too worried about it because a win's a win. You know, I don't expect you – no, know, I did <laughs> – I did say Alabama minus 14 and a half only because I was kind of hoping that Florida would be so hyped up for the game that they were going to make mental errors. You know what I mean? You know, when you were looking at betting, now Alabama's going to win the game. I was just kind of like, yeah, I'm going to take the minus 14 and a half. That was the only one I got wrong on my parlay, so I think Nick Saban owes me 50 bucks. Send him the bill. So don't worry about don't worry about Bama. We will continue to roll. Hey, all you football coaches out there, I know if you're like me, we want to be simple, and we're always looking for a way to add to the game, drills, plays, all that stuff. Okay, so if you're like me and you're looking for drills, you're trying to figure out how to do this. Well, there's no simpler way than getting back to the basics. So I want to thank Coach Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. U.S. Cellular has always believed that connection is the greatest gift of all. That's why we're giving everyone one line for $34.99 a month with unlimited data this holiday season. That's right, one line, unlimited data for just $34.99 a month. That's more than a great deal. That's locally grown connection from U.S. Cellular. Limited time offer, terms apply. Visit uscellular.com for details. At U.S. Cellular, we care about our customers and our communities. Visit Cellular Advantage, a U.S. Cellular authorized agent located at 2012 Cornhusker Road in Bellevue. America's locally grown wireless at U.S. Cellular. Stone for contributing, sponsoring this podcast, helping me out with other things. So I need you guys, if you want to get back to the basics, you need to go get this book, Back to the Basics Football Drill Manual, from Back to the Basics from Coach Stone Football. This book is 500 pages, over 500 pages, and it goes from offense, defense, special teams, tackling, turnovers, everything that you need is right here. You get this book and you look at all of his other stuff, you will never need to go look up another drill again. It has like all these drills. I kid you not. This book has it for you. Okay. So if you're like me and we also talk about becoming simple, we're always talking about making things easier on our players. Back to the basics is for you. So please go to coachstonefootball.com. It has this book on there. I believe it was his first, was Coach Stone's first one. You need to go on there and get it. Um, coachstonefootball.com it's on there I think it's on Amazon but if you go to his website there's so much other stuff I recommend going to the website Um, there's other books on there but this is the first one you need to look at for drills from all aspects of the game there's over 100 drills I believe in this book so again go to coachstonefootball.com go get this book and let's get back to the basics
Coach Steve show is sponsored by the Launchpad Kickoff Team. If you're a football coach out there, high school, college, NFL, doesn't matter, and you're looking for that edge for your special teams, for your kicker, for the kickoff, onsides, you guys need to go to launchpadkickoffteam.com. If you have a younger guy trying to develop the kicker, you want the ball to get to the end zone, you need to go to Launchpad Kickoff Team. This tee gives a coach a strategic options for squib kicks, onsides, everything. It is proven that your kicker will kick off farther. It is legal for NCAA, for high school, okay? The Launchpad Kickoff Tee is a game changer. So if you go to launchpadkickofftee.com slash CSS to use the code CSS, you can get a Launchpad Kickoff Tee for 10% off. So go to launchpadkickofftee.com slash CSS. You can use the code CSS for the Coach Steve Show to get 10% off. Also, there's a bundle. You can get one for 10% off. You can go to two and get more percent off. Or there's an option to buy four. If you click the option to buy the four kickoff tees, if you like it so much, when you use the code CSS, you'll get the fourth one free. So instead of paying full price for all four, you'll get three. So go to launchpadkickofftee.com slash CSS. Use the code CSS. Get 10% off. Buy four to get the fourth one free. This is a game changer, guys. It does more than just hold your balls. Go get the Launchpad Kickoff Tee today to give your kicker an edge for next season. With the Tide, they'll be just fine. Nothing wrong with it. They're going to be just fine. We're going to move on to the Clemson Tigers. Now, we already discussed them a little bit. They already did lose a game. Lost the very first one to Georgia in a hard-hitting affair. Hard-hitting affair. Then they go on to play SC State and win 49-3. That we think they're looking pretty good. Then they come in to play Georgia Tech, who has not won since Paul Johnson has left or run out of town. They usually have their number. I want to say they beat them by 70 last year. Georgia Tech put up one of the best fights I've seen all year. Probably the best fight I've seen all year. And was a couple plays, a couple mistakes away, a couple tackles away from winning that game. They lose, or Clemson wins 14-8. to So kudos to Georgia Tech for competing and playing tough. So the question is, is Clemson in trouble? Now they've lost a game. The window is still open for them to make it into the playoff, especially with their schedule. They've got NC State next, Boston College, Syracuse, Pittsburgh, Florida State, Louisville, Connecticut, Wake Forest, and South Carolina. So the window is open for them to end the season at 11-1, winning an ACC championship game. If... You know, I think an 11 and 1, 12 and 1 Clemson does not get in over a, um, you know, a 12 and 1 Georgia that loses the SEC championship game, or 12 and 1 Alabama. So I think Alabama and Georgia would make it in. Now it depends. If Oklahoma goes undefeated, they probably get in, which I don't think they should, but they probably get in. I don't think Notre Dame will get in. They'll lose a game. And if Notre Dame loses a game, they'll get in. 
So it's very possible you're looking at Alabama, Oklahoma, Georgia, and Clemson back in the playoff, unless something else happens. If Iowa wins the Big Ten undefeated, could be sitting there at Alabama, Georgia, Iowa. Then you got that spot. If Oklahoma goes undefeated, they do. But Clemson, we'll, we'll, we'll get the playoffs as we go on. Is, is something wrong with Clemson? That, that's, that's just a quick question. You know, the, 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 now, did they overlook Georgia Tech? I don't think so. I think they like scoring the points on them. Um, the, the, the quarterback did not pronounce his name, so I'm just going to call him DJ. Only has one touchdown pass and two interceptions. I believe he's 59% completion. So the big question was what's going on with Clemson? Well, I don't think they have their strong defense anymore. You have the first pick in the NFL draft gone. You don't have your wide receiver. You don't have your running back. So you're replacing a lot just kind of like Alabama. So they have to learn to win all over again. So my question is, is Clemson in trouble? I think they're in trouble with getting back to the playoff and winning a championship. But I think they're okay with it. I think they're okay because Alabama's done this too. So I think if they lose another game or they don't make the playoff, they got to play a bowl game. I think that's fine with them. I don't see them having a problem with it. But I do think Clemson is not as good as they once were. I think if they were to play Alabama... Alabama would win. I even think Florida would win. I think Florida is more developed. I think Florida is more ready to go. I think Florida is more established because they have you know players that have been around longer than Clemson. Uh, but something is wrong with Clemson. They don't have that top defense anymore right now. The offense is not putting up the points like they were. Um, they're not as explosive. I think they're a very good team still, don't get me wrong. But I do think they're a little bit in trouble than they have been in the past because they're only scoring 22 points a game right now. They've only scored 66 total points. So, I mean, those are not the uh, Clemson numbers we're used to seeing. Um, we're going to look at their passing. I mean, they only have two passing touchdowns and three interceptions. Like, that's not what they do. That's not what they're used to. They get up seven sacks already, so you're – Playing with a different offensive line, you have a different defense. Now you have the same coaches, but it's just you have to learn to win all over again. That phrase from Aaron Rodgers will stick with me. They have to learn to win all over again. They are not what they were. They are not the same. I do. They have the. I mean, it's completely wide open unless a team shows up and plays hard like Georgia Tech. I think Georgia Tech has given life to the rest of the ACC teams. They have handed over. The Thor's hammer and said, you guys are worthy. Like, we've shown you the way. Like, you guys can win. You guys can do this. And I think they might slip up and, uh, and lose two games this year. You know, Clemson. Now, if they play the way they played against Georgia, they'll win. But they play that way against Georgia Tech or the teams play like Georgia Tech, they are going to slip up somewhere. So they are not the same. I do think they're in – they're not in dire need of trouble. They're not going to lose three games. But I think they're in trouble. I think they're in trouble, and I don't see them winning the championship. The window is very small for them to make the playoff, but they still could squeak their way in. A little bit in trouble. Um, <laughs> moving along in this episode, another thing to talk about that I wanted to get into was the Mississippi State debacle against Memphis. And this will tie into 
the ref shorted the refs situation. Mississippi State, Memphis. I am a big Mike Leach fan, so I'm a Mississippi State fan. In the game, um, Mississippi State punted. And every game I've ever seen, ever, where when they punt the ball and you're trying to keep it out of the end zone, you can tip it back as long as your body's not in the end zone and the ball doesn't touch the end zone, you can bounce it back and they can get it. I have seen teams just grab the ball and or they fall on it. But what happened in this game, they tipped it back and the Mississippi State player had his knee on the ground with the ball in his hand when he touched down to get the ball. Now his knee's on the ground. So to me, that means the ball should be down. Has the ball in his hand, it's on the ground. And it's not he picked it up, it was on the ground, he put his hand on it, knee was on the ground. To me, that should be down. And I believe the ref was blowing it down. All while that is happening, when the ref, I think, was blowing that it's dead, Memphis player come down, picked the ball up, ran it all the way back for a touchdown. Now, I believe that was with five minutes left in the fourth quarter. So I'm not saying this is why they lost, but this does not help. I think that ball should be down. The knee's down, your hand's on the ball. After the game. SEC comes out with a statement, which I'm not going to read. Essentially says, we screwed up. We would, because then on that punt team, Memphis also had, I believe, was number four. They had two number fours on the team, which is a penalty. They walked back. Saw. Now, basically, they said that the play that happened with the punt return, I guess, was good. But they screwed up because the ref was saying that it was going to be down. So it should have been stopped and said it was down. There was two number fours on the team. Like, that shouldn't happen. Like, what? This is college football. Like, this should not be happening. And I know that's not happening. I said the ball was freaking down because his knee was on the ground. His knee was on the ground so long like he was proposing to the football. Like, you hear what I'm saying? Like, the knee was down for a good two seconds. His hand is on the ball. I've seen it before where this is down. So the ref needs to, like, I think the ref, like, there's routine things in football. When you do a field goal or an extra point, or I'll just do extra point. When you do extra point, you're probably thinking it's going in because it's like a chip shot. You're not really thinking about punt. Like, that's why field goal blocks are one of the most exciting things because they don't happen a whole ton. When they punt the ball and you see a punt block, you get excited because they don't happen all that. I mean, they happen, but not like it's a routine. Like they, they punt it. When a team kicks off, they're just waiting for the, the fair catch and they're going to catch it. They're waiting for it to go in the end zone, especially in the NFL. When when someone punts and the person's not returning it and they're doing what I said where they're trying to tip it back. I think the ref even was like, this is routine. This is a routine thing. So he was taking his time saying the ball was down. Well, thanks to that dumbass, like, I think that, like, it should not have been returned. Now, I'm not saying that's why they lost the game. Like, I I brought this up with Coach West on our Sunday live show and him saying that, you know, if there's still football to be played, that's not why they lost. And I'm not trying to say this is why they lost, but this does not help them because you just allowed the other team to get seven points. 
So that that to me kind of hurts. There should be a ref up top to really see that and stop the game and say we have to go look at this. Now I know in college there's different rules. They don't have all the reviews like the NFL and, and all that good stuff. But it just kind of goes into the, this ref thing we've got going on. It was kind of happening right before um, COVID. But it's kind of shown its ugly face. Now, I know at the high school level, at least where I live in Illinois, we are getting a little bit of a ref shortage where now we're starting to not have the same amount of refs to do these games. So you're seeing, sometimes you're seeing varsity games played on a Thursday. They don't want to reschedule because maybe those refs can't come back the next day. So I know just recently we had games start at 9 o'clock at night. They started rain. The rain started at 6 o'clock. Got delayed to like 9 o'clock because they don't want to reschedule. You're seeing a lot of times now where if you play a sophomore game or a freshman game before the varsity game, those refs just stay. You don't get a new crew. You have to deal with the freshman crew. So we're getting we're dealing with a lot of refs kind of making up their own rules, maybe not fully understanding the rules. So coaches like us, like me for 13 years, kind of know what the rules are. Like a story of a ref. When you're signaling plays, like there's the coaching box. Now, when you're talking to a player, you can step on the field and talk to him because the play's dead. There's no way the ref's going to come running into you on the sideline. You're signaling the play. When the play's getting ready to go, we need to get back in the box. You know, we've had a ref saying, get back in the box, get back in the box, over and over, like we were never allowed to step out of there. When there's an injury timeout, someone gets hurt on the field, unfortunately, the players can come, but they got to stop at the numbers. Us coaches can go out to the numbers. They tell us it's not a timeout, so the moment they're ready to go, the ball, the, clock, the play clock's going to go. We've had refs saying we're not allowed to go out in the 20 and talk to them, which in 13 years of coaching, varsity football has never happened. So now this is the kind of stuff we're dealing with now with this ref thing. And I know as coaches, we're doing our best to not really go after these refs because we have a ref shortage and we couldn't do their jobs. But at the same time, now we're dealing with those little small rules. Maybe they're not seeing everything because we have to – it's growing pains. Like we're getting younger refs. We're getting new refs that have been doing freshman ball, now they're doing varsity ball. You're seeing at the college level where now they're these refs are starting to get stretched thin. They're not getting new ones in. And then if you're saying the same thing, they're missing these plays. You think there'd be somebody up top. At the high school level, it's a lot difficult, more difficult. But at the college level, you're, you're, you should be able to have somebody up top buzz down and say, hey, look, this is what's happening. I think schools and college and NCAA can afford to maybe go hire an older ref or retired ref and say, hey, here's your job. You're going to sit up in this nice booth, give you air conditioning, this food. You're going to have the screens up. Maybe hire two of them. And you're, this is your job. On certain things, you can buzz down and say, hey, you got this wrong. <coughs> Excuse me. And you know, I think the NFL should be the same thing. There's ways to help them. We have all this technology, and this review thing will not hurt football. You already review it. Baseball's a little different. They're talking about the flow of the game, but football, it's already been there. It's already a thing. Like, But we do have a ref shortage, so I know us as coaches, we got frustrated with this rule thing. We're getting Because fr- then the next game, we had an injury timeout, and we said, hey, we can walk out to the numbers, right, just to talk to them, make sure everything's going okay. And he goes, yeah, you know, it's just not a timeout. And we're like, yeah. So in 13 years, we've – so these are the things we're dealing with. I can't imagine what the – like all that's going on in college. But a play like that with Mississippi State is like frustrating. 
then they have the, the SEC come back and say, well, man, we screwed up. We screwed up. Sorry. Don't be mad. We screwed up. Yeah, they should have scored those seven points. But then the flip side is, well, you had five minutes, you should have scored. I think that's what they're thinking. But, man, we screwed up. But we're still friends, right? Like, we screwed up. We're still friends, right? Like, that type of thing. Like, sorry, man, we screwed up. So we we got to figure out this ref shortage. We've got to figure out where... I don't know. Ref shouldn't get all the hate they get. Um, We need to figure out how to help them. College and NFL, they get paid pretty well, so I don't think it's the pay. Maybe it's the pressure they're under. Maybe it's all the rules they have to know. Maybe allow the human error to come into it. Or you have all these TVs, you have all these cameras, you have the resources, you could hire people upstairs to really help them watch it and say, well, hey, out of one of the 5,000 cameras we have set up in, in here, we see this, so let's buzz it down for a second. Change the rules in college football to help the refs get going, like that type of thing. I don't see why you can't do that. I don't see the harm in it. I don't see the difficulty in it, but we got to help these refs out. Got to help them. We got to help them. Plays like that are unacceptable. And come back and say, you know, oh, my, my bad, man. But we, we, it's got to change. But be nice to the refs. It's a shortage. You got to be nice to them. Um, last thing before we get to the to the picks. Kudos. Man, we got to give clapping here. To all the small schools, like the FCS schools, the smaller non-Power 5 schools, the transfer portal, I think, has helped them a little bit to get some players in the recruiting world. But they're beating these Power 5 schools. Like one off the top of my head is Northern Arizona being Arizona. That should never happen. The Jacksonville State beating FSU. FSU sucks. But anyway, they are just they're god awful. They're worse than Illinois. Illinois with Coach Bielma would go in there and beat them by twenty eight points guaranteed, and I'd put ten bucks on it. I'm cheap. But man, kudos to all the small schools. They're going out there recruiting, they're getting the dudes, and those coaches are coaching. And I think COVID helped because COVID you really saw these teams, you saw it before, but it really kind of took off, you know, with these schools. And I think they finally said. We've had enough. I think these bigger schools are overlooking. There's a lot of good coaches in the non-Power 5 world and a lot of good coaches in the the FCS world where they're able to recruit, they're able to coach, they're able to scheme. The strength and conditioning has become huge. But but kudos, it it makes college football so much fun. We're not necessarily going to see the Power 5 school dominate the smaller school and do all that. Like We're not necessarily going to see that. They're playing very well. Um, so kudos to them. We're gonna give claps. You know, we're 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 gonna celebrate them. Like, give them a give them a clap. Give them a shout out. Like, congratulations to those type of schools, those coaches, those programs that are competing. It just makes college football so much fun. I just wanted to give that out there. Um, all right, we are gonna get to the the, the podcast show picks. I want to do way more picks, but I'm keeping it in with Brad Miller and Coach West, where we just want to do these different picks. Um, So we're going to do a lock pick. Now, this is where you bet. So this is going to be like 
Again, it's not, oh, this guy's team's going to be this team all the time. It might be the points. So you can look at FanDuel. You can look at Sportsline where we get the numbers. My lock pick is going to be Michigan State minus five versus Nebraska. I think that's a, a pick that needs to be made by everybody. Go bet on that. A feel-good pick that I feel kind of good about is Georgia is minus 35 versus Vanderbilt. Now, we just talked about Georgia. Vanderbilt's rebuilding again. Another one I think you can put your money on. My upset. I am taking Arkansas over Texas A&M. I am not a Jimbo Fisher fan whatsoever. He's won. Knows, has forgotten more football than I ever know. Just something about him that I'm not a fan of. Um, they were decently good. and the, They were good, I, I should say. They were good last year. They have not shown that same swagger, that same dominance. Coach Pittman was born to coach O-line, and he was born to coach at Arkansas. Suey, Arkansas, is going to upset Texas A&M. I like their offense. I like how tough they're playing. I think that's a good bet to make. My sneaky pick. This one you could think about. My sneaky one. Wisconsin plays Notre Dame at Soldier Field up here in my hometown of Illinois. Soldier Field only being about an hour or so away. I don't know why they're playing at Soldier Field. They could easily just go to Wisconsin or Notre Dame. I don't know why it has to be Soldier Field. You guys have nothing to do with Illinois, so I don't know what the NCAA is doing. I think Lori Lightfoot in Chicago just wants money, but that, regardless. Go bet on Wisconsin minus 6 and a half versus Notre Dame. Notre Dame is not terrible, but their quarterback plays suspect. Their defense gives up too many big plays. I think Notre Dame's uh, offensive line isn't as bad. They, they always find good offensive line. I just don't see them being as explosive on offense without Ian Book and a bunch of other players. Even though their defense in the past has always been like a 4-2, 5-4-3, sometimes they play too, a lot of too high and they kept everything in front of them and just kind of hope to make plays. With their new defensive coordinator, they're taking a lot more risks, taking a lot more um, disguise coverages and moving around and everything. Now, if they, if they haven't figured out, they'll win. But the way they're, like the Toledo game and everything, if Wisconsin comes out hyped up, going to run the ball, I'm going to be very physical. See Wisconsin getting minus six and a half on that. It's going to be a close game. That's why I think that's a sneaky pick. Um, so go ahead, make those bets. Um, I, I like them. I think they're pretty good picks. So again, my lock pick is Michigan minus five versus Nebraska. The feel-good pick is Georgia minus 35 versus Vanderbilt. My upset is the Suey Arkansas over Texas A&M. And my sneaky one is Wisconsin minus 6.5 versus Notre Dame. Go wherever you can make a bet. Go make the bet. Make some money. Uh, get to that retirement fund. Um, go to mybookie.ag and use the Belly Up Fantasy code and double the deposit and go make those bets. Helps out the podcast and all that, and I'll help you guys make some money. And that is everything for this podcast. Again, we're going to have our Sunday live shows as far as technology allows us and life allows us at 10 a.m. Central Time. You can find the live live show on YouTube and the audio will be released later. Weekly, we're going to, I'm going to try to have a Big Ten college football discussion. You're going to have a regular college football discussion. And then you're also going to see a NFL slash Chicago Bears discussion episode coming out. So you're going to get about... Then you're going to have another episode hopefully come out from past uh, conversations I've had with coaches or people around the country. So you have possibility anywhere from 
three to five episodes coming out a week, which is crazy. But I want this podcast to grow. I want to get out there like the rest of them are. So, yeah, again, the Coach Steve Show YouTube channel. Go like and subscribe. The podcast can be listened to wherever you listen to podcasts. Or go to bellyupsports.com. Find it there. Find a bunch of other stuff on there. Thank you so much. Check out the sponsors in the description below. Thank you guys so much for listening, supporting this. Let's share this out and grow this channel. And I'll see you guys on the next episode of the Coach Steve Show podcast. $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.